Abortions are at the lowest level in years, but there are still more than a million babies aborted a year. We'll discuss the state of the abortion fight 35 years after Roe versus Wade. And France is the new fertility leader in 2007, but a majority of babies in France are now being born out of wedlock, and marriages are at an all-time low. We'll talk about it. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. The Declaration of Independence says, We hold these truths self-evident, to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, the right to life. We're talking about the right to life today. And this breaking news story that abortions in the United States are at the lowest level since 1976. This sounds like a very good headline, but as you read the story, reported abortions in 2005, 1.2 million. Well, compare that to 1.6 million in 1990. That is a reduction of 25%. But can we be satisfied with this, and what can we do to further protect human life? We have the March for Life this Saturday, January 19th, downtown Dallas. We'll be talking about that in a few minutes. But with us to talk about it right now is Wendy Wright. She is president of Concerned Women for America. Wendy, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be on. Uh, Wendy, what is your take on this story and uh, these statistics released by the Guttmacher Institute? Well, a couple of things. One is it's such a tragedy to know that 1.2 million children were killed last year, last year electively uh, because of abortion. And when we hear the, the increasing count of those who have died in, in trying to uh, protect us from terrorists around the world, that that's a high number. And, but that's a total of over, three year, uh, over six years. That's 3,000. 1.2 million versus 3,000. It, it's just it just takes your breath away. And when you look at over the 35 years since the Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, that's over 40 million unborn children who have been killed. Now, the group that put that study out, the Guttmacher Institute, it was started by Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in the United States, perhaps even in the world. And they are claiming credit 
for the reduction in the number of children who are killed each year from abortion. As you mentioned, in 1990, that was the high point of 1.6 million. So um, we're grateful the number is going down. We don't think, however, that Planned Parenthood is responsible for the number going down. They're claiming it's because of contraception being easily available. But contraception has been easily available since about 1974, since the... um, uh, federal government got involved in subsidizing and paying for contraception. And there was no decrease in the 70s or in the 80s and even going into the 90s. It wasn't until ultrasounds became available and women became aware that this is an unborn child, a person, a human being that's inside them, not just a blob of tissue. And we started uh, funding abstinence programs, encouraging young women that you don't have to be sexually active and young men and that there are alternatives to abortion. Uh, And on top of that, women have come forward, particularly since the mid-1990s, to talk about how they regret having an abortion and how destructive it was to them. I think that the decrease in numbers of abortion are attributable to the positive things that are happening, getting true information out about abortion and alternatives, the truth about the humanity of the unborn child. That makes more sense for uh, uh, causing a reduction in numbers, not giving more money to encourage sexual activity. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Wendy Wright. She's president of Concerned Women for America. And, Wendy, I understand you're going to be in town uh, with Pennedexter, the co-host of this program, on Saturday for the rally and March for Life. Could you tell us about this event and particularly the message that you think um, we need to hear? Because we're still talking about 3,500 abortions per day. I mean, so when people hear all the numbers are going down, uh, I really do think that sort of um, fits the propaganda of safe, legal, and rare. But, I mean, uh, really, 1.2 million a year. Uh, Christians still ought to be concerned. Others ought to be concerned. Uh, what can we do? What is going to be the message in this rally, this March for Life? Well, the message is it started in Dallas. Let's end it in Dallas. Roe versus Wade was a challenge to Texas's law that protected unborn children. And I'm so glad to see that thousands are coming together in Dallas, including evangelical leaders and Catholic leaders, to say we want it to end here as well. Um, the the pro-life people who have recognized how destructive abortion has been. Uh, you know, our, our country really is suffering from the effects of Roe versus Wade. And as you mentioned, those in favor of abortion claim they want it to be safe, legal, and rare. Well, it's certainly not rare, and it is not safe. Uh, one woman who came forward just recently lost her daughter last year to an abortion. Her young 23-year-old daughter went in for an abortion that she was assured would be safe, and she did not come out alive. And even though abortion is legal, it is not safe for women, and especially not for unborn children. So this is an opportunity on Saturday for others to join us to say that abortion is not only wrong, it is harmful to women and to children and to men. Men are now coming forward and saying that um, they are suffering from having lost their child to abortion. They rem- they um, deal with it every day of their life. It's not something that they just walk away lightly from. So it's an opportunity for people to come forward and to raise their voice along with thousands of others. It's a way of amplifying your voice 
to say we are in favor of life. All right, folks, that's the March for Life. It's this Saturday, January 19th. You just need to meet downtown at Ross and Pearl at 1130 this Saturday, 1130 Ross and Pearl. And have uh, you always wondered what could you do? Uh, to make a difference. Uh, how could you stand up? Uh, how could your voice be heard? Uh, you need to just be downtown at 1130 at this March for Life. And you'll, you'll hear uh, several inspiring speakers. I think Penna Dexter is uh, the master of ceremonies, and uh, you know her well on this program at this hour. Wendy Wright will be there. Wendy, I want to shift gears for just a moment. I know you got to go, but uh, would you just talk to us about how important it is to elect a pro-life president of the United States. Well, some are claiming that the only thing a president can do is appoint uh, good judges to the federal bench and the Supreme Court. I disagree. There is much more that a president can and does do. We saw the effect when Bill Clinton, his first official day in office, he signed five executive orders on abortion to make us, force us as taxpayers to pay for it, not only domestically, but to pay for abortions in other countries, to pay for experimentation on children who had been killed through abortion and several other things. And President Bush, when he came into office, he immediately signed several executive orders to protect unborn children. And since then, he has helped to ensure that our tax dollars are not going to pay for abortions, either domestically in this country or outside our country, going, that it's not going to organizations internationally that kill unborn children in, in even worse circumstances. When you consider in these third world countries where they don't even have penicillin or clean water, and yet this invasive surgery is done on women, it just it makes the risks even higher to, to those women. So there are many things that a president and congressman and state legislators can, that can do to reduce the number of abortions and lead us to the path to having the public opinion fully in support of ending abortion overall in the United States. Wendy Wright, President of Concerned Women for America. Wendy, thank you for being with us. We look forward to the rally on Saturday. Again, we encourage people to go out to Ross and Pearl at 11.30 this Saturday. Wendy, thank you for being with us. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, folks, let's go now to Penna Dexter. She's done a commentary really on this topic of abortion and what difference does it make what kind of president we elect? How can you make a difference on abortion? Here's Penna Dexter. Pro-life voters are being pressured to sacrifice or somehow downplay their pro-life convictions in this current presidential race. The argument goes something like, there is little a president can do to limit abortion. Don't buy it. In this wide-open nominating contest, we must be clear. The role of a president in protecting the sanctity of human life is large and growing. Certainly, a president can and should use his or her constitutional and moral authority to actively promote a culture of life. First, there's the bully pulpit. Presidents have many opportunities to verbally remind citizens that it is the proper role of government to protect the lives of innocent unborn children. This year, as he does every year, President Bush will speak via phone through a loudspeaker to the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C., bringing encouragement to pro-lifers to continue the fight. Also, a pro-life president can make pro-life appointments. Every cabinet secretary's department touches the sanctity of life in some way, but some are particularly influential. The attorney general has considerable sway over how laws advancing abortion or limiting it are enforced. 
The Secretary of Health and Human Services oversees all kinds of programs that affect the frequency and availability of abortion. And the federal and Supreme Court judges a president appoints have a lasting impact on whether life-affirming or life-destroying legislation survives legal challenges. Court watchers say we're one Supreme Court justice away from overturning Roe v. Wade, the abortion decision. A pro-life president can orchestrate a pro-life foreign policy. The president can instruct the U.S. delegation to the United Nations not to force pro-abortion policies on foreign countries. And the president can prevent foreign aid from being used to support abortion. The president can issue executive orders that protect life. Early in his first term, President Bush ordered a ban on federal funding of embryonic stem cell research beyond that which could be done on the lines that had already been developed. A pro-life president could continue and even strengthen this policy. It's also very important that a president be pro-life so he or she will sign pro-life legislation passed by Congress. The possibilities are endless. There's a bill in the pipeline mandating that women considering abortion be told that an unborn child feels pain, one banning sex selection abortions, and legislation declaring the unborn child a person. We have yet to pass a ban on human cloning. If passed, these bills will die on the desk of a pro-choice president. And the president can also veto pro-abortion legislation. With the current composition of Congress, there will be many opportunities. This month, we look back on 35 years of legal abortion. It's a reminder to keep sanctity of life at the forefront as we select a president. I'm Penna Dexter. All right. Thank you, Penna, for that commentary. And again, you can see Penna on Saturday at the March for Life. And that's this Saturday, January 19th at 1130. Ross and Pearl, you are invited, if you're a listener to this program, to be there and to stand up for life. But I have a question in the next segment. I want to take your calls. And here's the question. A lot of people, when they say they're voting on social issues, they're thinking about electing a woman president. Hillary Clinton, the first woman. What a social statement that would be for America. But how do you weigh that against standing up for the sanctity of human life? Hillary Clinton is pro-abortion, pro-choice. Others would say, well, I want to see the first black man elected president. And that's a social statement. Barack Obama, the first black man that could be president. But he is also pro-choice, effectively pro-abortion. Others say, I'm for a strong defense Rudy Giuliani, 9-11, that man can stand up to the terrorist, but he is pro-choice, effectively pro-abortion. And I want us to weigh out these kinds of moral and defense questions over and against the sanctity of human life. How important is it that the next president be pro-life to you? The number 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. I really want to hear from Obama, Clinton, and Giuliani supporters. You call. The Bible says for every time there is a season, and this is a new season at the Criswell College in Dallas. Enroll now for the spring term starting January 21st. Criswell College has a practical, intense, and comprehensive approach to ministry training. We provide encounter missions and get students out into the churches and into the world so they can learn by application and experience. We cover all aspects of ministry, from counseling to biblical languages, from Jewish and Old Testament studies to New Testament studies, from the ancient world to modern cultures. I'm Dr. Barry Creamer, and as Associate Professor of Humanities, I get to know the students, and I'm excited about their personal vision for ministry. Come to Criswell College, and let's impact the world together for Christ. 
Call 800-899-0012. That's 800-899-0012. Or check us out on the web at chriswell.edu. Classes begin January 21st at the Criswell College in Dallas. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, you've heard people say, I vote values. But to some people, this means the value of really having the first woman president or the value of having the first black president or the value of having a strong defense, a strong defense president. And so maybe Rudy Giuliani or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton would be the values candidate in that way of thinking. But how do you weigh that against the value of human life? All of those candidates, pro-choice, effectively pro-abortion. We're asking you to call in. The number is 800-881-9270. We've got callers on the line right now. Deborah on the line from Richland Hills. Deborah, thank you for holding. What's your view? Oh, hi. Thank you so much. Um, I'm an avid listener, and I just want to comment. I mean, I think we all should be concerned about social values. I'm a female myself, but um, we have to prioritize what's important and morality or um, God's laws, you know, whatever we want to call it comes first, and that would be sanctity of life over a woman or civil rights issues and, you know, having our first black president, et cetera. So you would say, look... um the value of human life ranks over uh, any kind of a diversity desire that we would want to see in politics. Without a doubt. Well, do you have a favorite candidate right now? I sure do. Who is H- it? Huckabee is the man for the job. All right. Thank you so much, Deborah. <laughs> Thank for you. Calling. Bye-bye. All right. Let's move on to the next caller. we got Nancy on the line from Mansfield. Nancy, what is your thought and who are you supporting for president of the United States? Well, I'm supporting the uh Southern Baptist minister, and uh, I think that to vote for Hillary Clinton just because she's a woman is ridiculous, and to vote for him, Osana, because he's black is ridiculous. We need to get back to what God wants, and we need to pray. We don't really have to worry about our defense, because God will take care of us, mm. and uh, we just need to put our faith in God to, to, to let us know in his way, what we need to do. But we've got to get this country back to God. Well, thanks for that comment, Nancy. And that is what we're emphasizing here at KCBI, particularly uh, this month. We're talking about one nation under God and this theme, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, let's go to our next caller. We've got Bill on the line from Dallas. Bill, thank you for calling and holding. Bill, who are you supporting and how do you weigh, uh, really, the sanctity of human life over and against uh, security, diversity, and those those ideals. Well, I would I would definitely go with the sanctity of life over any issue. But the only problem I've got with all this is the fact that if you look at the last thirty five years of since Roe versus Wade, we've had over twenty four years of a Republican president. Yep. And you would have thought over twenty four years that they would have overturned it by now, even though every one of them basically states that they are for the sanctity of life. Right. And yet we still don't see anything overturned. So I, I really have to take what they say with a grain of salt, simply for the fact that I've never seen any results from all those years of them saying they were pro-life. Yeah. Well, that's been very disappointing. And if you look at the Road versus Wade court bill, um, 
I think most of those justices back then were appointed by Republicans. If you look at the Roe versus Wade court, but it really wasn't on the radar screen for Republicans or Democrats in 73. But I, I would have to say, Bill, you know, uh, it is a definite that Democrats in the last 25 years want to appoint pro-abortion judges. In fact, they say this is a litmus test for us. And what you have with Republicans is a general desire to appoint pro-life judges or strict constrictionist judges, um, constructionist that really believe in the Constitution and that Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional. But there have been some misfires from President Reagan and so forth. But you do have Thomas and Scalia and Roberts, and um, I think we've got a, a real possibility now with uh, one more pro-life judge. Alito is on there now as well. And you've got a real possibility with Kennedy as the swing boat. You've got a real possibility now of overturning Roe versus Wade. So this is a real issue, not a hypothetical issue. Um, we are going to have one or two judges step down in the next presidential term. So a real issue. Ed on the line from Montgomery. Ed, thank you for holding. What's your view? Okay. Uh, I have more of a question as opposed to a viewpoint. I'm sort of That's all right. in the middle there somewhere. All right. Um, my question is this. If Roe versus Wade was overturned today, I don't know the exact numbers, but how many of these fetuses would... Uh, uh, children would be born and be abused sexually, uh, molested, um, physically, mentally, how many would be, what are the percentages? Wouldn't it be an enormous amount because the ones that would be born are the ones that people don't really want, and uh, because of it being overturned, wouldn't a lot more children be born that aren't wanted? Well, I'm more worried with the children as I am of the parents or, or the morality of it right now. Let me ask you this question, Ed, because I think, yeah. I think uh, many people uh, think uh, like you do. That's an intuitive way to, to sort through this. But let me ask you this question. Since 1973, do you think child abuse has gone up in America or down? Do you think sexual abuse has gone up in America or down? Do you think since 73 things are getting better for children, young children, infants and toddlers, or worse? I'd like to answer that on two bases. I personally think, well, first of all, it's more publicized, so it appears to be more. Uh, so I don't know what it happened, but I do know that if the church and the state would be more involved in uh, fighting child abuse, I think it would go down. Mm. And well, I think that would be the first step before we worry about overturning abortion is to make sure that these children we want to be born can come into a world where they're wanted and loved. I mean, I always think of it in a room. I take parents that are going to be parents, and they fix this room, and they make it all beautiful, and they plan the, the uh, college for the child, and it's just wonderful. And here we are asking these children be born that are that are aborted right now. We're asking them to be born in without discomfort. Well, Ed, I think there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of couples that would like to have a child today that want to adopt a child. So I believe that many, many thousands of these children would be adopted by loving and caring families. Would the government so, force them to adopt? 
Well, now the government would force them to adopt, but the government would not allow people to abort. And I think, but you asked the question about Roe versus Wade being overturned. It would go back to the states, and there still would be a lot of abortions, unfortunately. But I think there would be. Um, I lived through the back alley of abortions. That was horrible. There were more young ladies dying then. It was you read about it in every paper. It was horrible with blood poisoning and so forth. Well, Ed, I got to believe that's overplayed. I I happen to believe that is uh, highly overrated. And uh, what we've got now, though, is 1.2 million children aborted every day. We're talking about three to four thousand every day. And do you think that? Well, let me ask you this question: Do you do you think? Um, uh, we have three to four thousand every day, a million a year in America. Let me oh, ask. A million a year. Yeah, okay, yeah a million a year. I might have misspoke. Let me ask you this question: Do you think if if people th- know that they can put acid on or or cut up or suction out an unborn child, that it's not so bad to abuse a uh, uh, a newborn child. In fact, infanticide has gone way up in the hospitals and out since we've legalized abortion. Do you think it logically follows uh, for a lot of people? And that's why abuse has gone up since Roe versus Wade. And wouldn't it go up more if it was overturned? I don't think so. I think there would be a greater respect for life. I think there would be a greater um, protection of human life all around. We've got to move on, Ed, to the next caller. We've got Carol on the line from Plano. Uh, Carol, thank you for holding. What's your view? Yes, uh, my view, I want to say first off that I am pro-life, and I agree with the previous callers that it's ludicrous to elect a president just because of part of their background, whether that's that they're female or whether they're black, or even though we don't have any Asian candidates running right now, that is an example. I agree that that's not a good approach to take. So there's uh, no moral equivalency between... Um, ethnic or sexual diversity, and a respect for human life, you're saying. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, while I do have a respect for human life, I would not be necessarily looking for a candidate who said that their agenda was to overturn Roe versus Wade. Right, right. My viewpoint is that we need to instead be praying for heart change in the lives of the American people and for boldness for the Church to stand up and share the truth because, as the last caller mentioned, the old back alley abortions, I know you said you think that was overplayed. But, you know, my concern is the health of the women if they feel that that is their only option. But when they are presented with the option that, yes, this is a baby, your child or fetus, if they have to say it, will feel pain. The legislation we've had move forward in that area to educate people about all their choices, particularly, like you mentioned, adoption is the route that I would be looking for a candidate to support. Thanks, Carol. You know, and one thing we didn't talk about with that previous caller was the increase in uh, depression among women who've gone through abortions, the increase in breast cancer. There have been these studies to indicate that one of the most likely indicators of breast cancer is abortion. And, uh, of course, there are women who die um, in abortion clinics in America right now. The most unregulated medical procedure in America is abortion. It's one of the most dangerous procedures as well. When we come back, a related issue, France. France 
has been crowned the fertility leader of Europe. What a surprise. Yet marriages are at an all-time low. What should we make of this? Are there lessons for the United States here? We'll talk with Jessica Eckerd, Executive Director of Eagle Forum, when we come back. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, welcome back. We've been talking about the sanctity of human life. We've been talking about the crisis of abortion in America. We continue on a related theme, and this is a surprise announcement. France, that's right, France was crowned fertility leader this week in Europe, yet marriages are at an all-time low. Let's talk about this right now on the line. We've got Jessica Eckert. She is executive director of Eagle Forum. Jessica, thank you for being with us. Uh, what do you make of this story? Hi, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, well, it is it is a rather uh, stunning statistic that now ha- more than half of babies born in France are born to um, parents who aren't married. Um, so, unfortunately, that is now the majority um, of children over there. And we see so many times, even here in the United States, that marriage between a man and a woman committed for life is the absolute best circumstance for children to grow up in. Um, no matter where you look, in what area, children who have both parents living together, married um, for life, are the ones who do the best in every category. When you look at uh, poverty, for example, of children whose uh, parents are cohabitating, not married, um, 39% of those children are in poverty. Um, similar, similarly, um, 67% of children whose mother has never married the father are in poverty. Now, look when we look across um, the, the section of, of children who are born to parents that uh, are married, that's only 12, there's only 12% of those who are in poverty. So it really, it really shows that marriage is the crux um, holding up all of these other categories that really provide a foundation for success. So, I mean, there's good news. We always affirm every human life. But the, the bad news here really is who will take care of these children? What kind of home life are they going to have? What kind of country will France have with, with these children who are raised outside of a a traditional home. Let me ask you this question, uh, Jessica, because um, you know they're they're really boasting about this news and making a big deal out of it. But in fact, it takes about 2.07 children for generations to be replaced or for populations to be maintained. So if France is coming in at 1.98 children, and it takes over two. I mean, still France, in terms of population, is, is going to be a dying country, and that means all of the European countries are, are dying when it comes to, to repopulating or even maintaining their population. Uh, what are the lessons there for them and for us here in the United States? Well, 
Jerry, you're absolutely right that this isn't um, something to necessarily be celebrated, that the French should be celebrating because they are still below replacement levels. Um, and in fact, in recent years, um, France and Germany, and I think some other countries in the European Union have actually given financial incentives to women to uh, have more children. Um, so essentially, they're paying they're paying women to have children. Now, I don't know if that's um, whether they're paying them with uh, to have the child and get married. Hopefully, um, that would be the best case scenario. But the lesson to be learned is that we really need to look at children as as a value to our society and as a way for us as adults to provide and as a country to provide a great environment to really continue on the traditions of your of your fa- individual family of your personal life but also of the country and to provide for future generations um, when we look at what marriage and family provide they really provide a framework for all of life um, that's where children learn how to communicate that's where they learn how to have relationships um, that's where they learn how to resolve conflict um, hard work um, they learn all of those things and when we have children who are not raised with a mother and and a father in the home, they don't learn those things as well or um, perhaps as quickly and at the right stages. And also, that creates a country that doesn't have as well-adjusted people to, co- to continue on in the workplace, in government, um, in community life. So everywhere you look, not having enough children and having them out of wedlock is just a, not a good thing for any country and any society. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Jessica Eckert. She is executive director of Eagle Forum. Jessica, I want to switch gears for just a moment because I can see that you've done a lot of work when it comes to confirming uh, judges, supporting the confirmation of judges that are the right kind of judges. And we've been talking today about an issue in this presidential campaign. A lot of people are voting values. And for them, though, that means, look, uh, women's equality, and they're really excited about the first woman president, the possibility of Hillary Clinton. Uh, but she is uh, pro-choice, pro-abortion, effectively. Uh, others are saying, look, I, I believe in racial equality, that value, and I'm supporting Obama, but he's really pro-choice, effectively pro-abortion. Others are saying, I'm a national security conservative, but uh, actually Giuliani is pro-choice, effectively pro-abortion. Now, here's my question for you, Jessica. Uh, how do you counsel conservative, pro-life voters, uh, or just voters in general, in weighing th- those kinds of values they have about racial equality, uh, you know, equality for women, national security issues, over and against the the primary importance of the sanctity of human life? Well, that's a that's a very excellent um, analysis of the of the dividing up of questions um, that a lot of voters are having these days. Um, what I what I say to folks is, pro life, valuing every human life, is the absolute bedrock for any candidate that should receive the vote of any conservative, um, and hopefully any person in the country, um, regardless of that. But when you look at if a person does not respect human life, what other freedom can they can they actually protect? So that to me is a very foundational statement. So if there was a, a, a conservative woman uh, who was running, let's think along the lines of Margaret Thatcher, um, and if, they, if there was a woman who was running who was pro-life, then that would be obviously solve a lot of problems for some who want who want to really focus in on the women's um, issue. Now Hillary Clinton is clearly not 
uh, pro-life at all. She is unabashedly pro-abortion, um, as well as Barack Obama. So when you look across the spectrum, I think for most values voters, you can mark people off your list just easily um, by looking at their, their pro-life stance. Um, then you can ask these other important questions about what, what other issues do you care about? Do you care about the economy? Do you care about national security? Do you care about immigration, education? Um, I think it's, it's got to be pro-life, number one, and then under that, you, each person, it's up to you whether to make, how to make your, um, your idea of what your hierarchy of conservative values um, and how they rank. Jessica Eckerd is the executive director of Eagle Forum. Jessica, I want to thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to having you back again. Thanks, Jerry. All right, folks, um, let's talk about uh, one of the great politicians, the great presidents of the last 25 years, and that's Ronald Reagan. What really made him so great? And I was really surprised to hear Barack Obama speak out on this. He hasn't always spoke about spoken about Ronald Reagan in this way. But uh, I want you to listen to Barack Obama. He's running for president of the United States, and he says... Ronald Reagan was uh, a great leader because of this. I think Ronald Reagan changed the trajectory of America in a way that, you know, Richard Nixon did not, um, and in a way that Bill Clinton did not. He put us on a fundamentally different path because the country was ready for it. I think they felt like, you know, with all the excesses of the 60s and the 70s and, you know, government they had grown and grown, but there wasn't much sense of accountability in terms of how it was operating. And I think you know, people just tapped in. He tapped into what people were already feeling, which is we want clarity, we want optimism, we want you know, a return to that sense of dynamism and, and entrepreneurship that had been missing. Okay, Ronald Reagan actually was the first pro-life president. He wrote a book called Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation, co-authored that with C. Everett Koop. And uh, I think that Obama's really missing out there, and Obama has changed his tune on Reagan. If you look back at 1995, he said, uh, look, uh, Reagan and company were carrying on their dirty deeds. He wasn't so complimentary of Ronald Reagan, but now he is. But he says it's because of his optimism. Well, that was a positive thing. But Reagan was a pro-life president. And I want you now to listen to Mike Huckabee, who's running for president of the United States. And he says this is very important, not only that we have economic conservatives and um, national security conservatives in leadership, but we need values conservatism. Here's Mike Huckabee. Well, leave it to the New York Times to not understand the Republican Party. Yeah. Uh, I think what you're seeing is that the Republican Party is, uh, in fact, quite vibrant. Uh, it is trying to find sort of its new voice, if you will. Uh, when people say that the Reagan coalition doesn't exist, I think some of us are trying to put it back together. And that's why what you see in my campaign is people who believe in a strong national defense, who are economic conservatives, but who also are unapologetic and not running from issues like the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, uh, and traditional marriage. That is the Reagan coalition, and that's the coalition that got a lot of Democrats in the South. That's the one who got union members, and that's what we're seeing in our campaign. It's all those folks that uh, may not necessarily be headliners on the 6 o'clock news or front page makers, but they're the Randy Bishops of the world who drive trucks, who go to work every day. They know they're one paycheck away from not being able to pay the rent. 
and they're looking for a candidate who will fight for them rather than uh, sort of ignore the fact that they're out there making America happen every day. That's Mike Huckabee. He's running for president of the United States. He's right to say a three-legged stool, economic conservatism, national security conservatism, and, of course, values conservatism, standing up for the sanctity of human life. But he has been questioned as to whether or not he is an economic conservative or even a national security conservative. No one has questioned that he is a values pro-life kind of a conservative. We're going to talk about that when we come back. How important is it? You can still call 800-881-9270-800-881-9270. Churches all over town. Christian Radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll here if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News Team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Crystal Communications. I think Roe versus Wade was bad law and bad medical science. And the way to address that is through uh, good judges. All right, that's Fred Thompson. He's running for president of the United States. And he is a conservative, and he has said he believes Roe versus Wade ought to be overturned, and uh, that would uh, reduce a great many of abortions in America. We've got Doug on the line from Fort Worth. Here's the question, folks. We're talking about how important... Is it to you that the next president of the United States be pro-life? Doug, thank you for calling. What's your view? Well, I think it's absolutely a key factor uh, in this election, and I uh, especially appreciate you all bringing out how Mike Huckabee is, is, uh, is just a staunch supporter uh, of pro-life views. Um, one of the things that I, I wanted to point out, though, that, um, as a former resident of Arkansas, he's kind of gotten beat up a little bit on, on uh, uh, some of the uh, the economy and, and tax. Yes. What's your view on that? Uh, well, I think it, one thing as a as a former resident, uh, he was under a state supreme court mandate to uh, raise up the uh, the performance in our schools and also to improve our roads. Uh, you remember we had uh, uh, Clinton as our governor, and then later another guy for a short time. The reason Huckabee became governor is uh, the previous governor governor uh, went to prison. Uh, we had some pretty serious corruption at one point in our state, and uh, you know, state roads that were ranked 49th out of the 50 nations. Now they're up to eighth. Our schools are performing better. Uh, so he's actually kind of pigeonholed into having to raise the taxes. It was a you know a court mandate. Um, uh, and well, I think that's an important point, Doug, and also for people to remember that he was working with a Democrat 
legislature as well. And so I think many people forget that, that uh, he had to move to the middle to govern, to actually have an effective functioning uh, government there. Now, here's the question today. We've got to move on, Doug, to the next caller. But does the pro-life value Trump gender values, race values, or national security values, that is, to the sanctity of human life, really outweigh some of these other issues. We've got Jane on the line from Fort Worth. Jane, thank you for calling and holding. What's your view? Well, I appreciate you taking my call. Actually, um, I thought about the three-legged stool, the economy, our security, and values, and <clears throat> there's one candidate excuse me, that actually upholds all of those very firmly, and that is uh, Ambassador Alan Keyes. And uh, we know his pro-life record, and he has done an incredible amount of uh, support for, uh, you know, Ten Commandments and pro-life and then all of his experience with foreign policy. And so I'm just wondering, I think he's actually going to be on the ballot in Texas uh, as, a, as a presidential uh, choice. And so what is your views on him? And, and of course, I, I love Mr. Huckabee's pro-life stand as well. But, um, well, we've had Alan Keyes on the program, Jane, before, and um, uh, but he does not seem to be getting any traction, you know. And uh, I guess I would like to ask you, since you know so much about him or a little bit about him, why do you think it is that Alan Keyes is not able to break into the mainstream here? Well, I think probably one thing, and this is just an opinion here, of course, but one thing is he has been absolutely blackballed by the media. The media absolutely can't stand him, and one of the reasons is because he articulates the issues so well. And um, we were at the Ten Commandments rally fairly recently in Dallas, uh, probably a year or two ago, and I've just never heard anyone articulate issues as the way that he does. And he doesn't mince any bones about getting to the to the fundamental uh, root of our problems. And um, so I think that's probably one of the main reasons is just the media and um and, you know, than that, honestly, I don't have a clue. Well, thank you for calling, Jane. We'll keep following Alan Keyes. Remember this, folks. The Bible says, Proverbs 13, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. We've got Dan on the line from Murphy. Dan, how do you weigh the pro-life commitment and value over and against gender, race, or national security themes when you're voting for president of the United States? Good afternoon, Dr. Johnson. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate your program. Um, it, it is extremely important to me, uh, foundationally, that uh, the pro-life movement uh, or the pro-life perspective of a candidate is taken into consideration from, my, from where I come from. Uh, I, I proudly stand and back Mike Huckabee. Uh, I am also a former resident of the state of Arkansas and feel that he did of what I would consider to be a fabulous job. Uh, I have one question that I, all of us who consider ourselves to be evangelical Christians, I would, I would ask that each of us honestly ask ourselves this question. How can we, as evangelical Christians, when we are supposed to take the whole Bible as God's Word, then be able to turn around in a presidential election such as this and think that we can stand on one particular component or one particular value, if you will, uh, such as gender, such as race. Uh, we, we do need to take many or all of them into consideration and take those before our God and pray that God would enlighten us and give us the wisdom to vote for the candidate 
that he lays on our hearts to do. That, hey, thanks, Dan. I that's I think that's a good comment and a good question. And uh, there are many issues that are important. Of course, we've got to have competence. Of course, uh, someone must be sane to be president of the United States. They must be effective. They must be a leader. But when we come to the sanctity of human life, uh, I would put it this way. It is essential that they be pro-life. That is, it's non-negotiable. It is essential that they be pro-life, but not enough that they be pro-life. I mean, uh, you must have a, a leader. You must have someone who's otherwise qualified. You must have someone uh, who understands the federal government. You, ha- you must have someone who can uh, persuade the people. You have to have someone who is electable. So it is essential that they be pro-life. It is not enough for them to be pro-life. It's better for them to also be an economic conservative. It's better for them also to be a national security conservative. But they must be, I would say, pro-life for to gain Christian support. And uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture that I think is key here, and it's Proverbs twenty four eleven. Deliver those who are drawn towards death, and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render it to each man according to his deeds? Now that Bible verse is very clear. There are millions every year going to the slaughter in America, abortion. And we are to protect them. And if we say, oh, we didn't know about this, this scripture says, God knows that we know. And I would say after this program, you cannot say, I did not know about it. You know about it. Over one million abortions a year in America. What are you doing about it? Well, Let me suggest that you attend the March for Life in Dallas this Saturday. It's at 1130 at Ross and Pearl, 1130 this Saturday morning. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.